Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Romans chapter 14 this morning. If you want to grab a Bible and open up there, we've been studying through the book of Romans over the past couple of months now, and we have just a couple of chapters remaining here. As Paul begins to to wrap up his thoughts to the Christians there in Rome, he is going to turn his attention here in the last couple of chapters uh, to some challenges that could present themselves to the Jews and the Gentiles that are searching for unity in Christ and how they can go about addressing those concerns and grow in love and, and hope and faith together as Christians. And so, Jeremy, as we begin in chapter 14 here, what, what sticks out to you about how Paul here not only begins chapter 14, but I think he takes on a little bit of a different perspective maybe than what we've seen over the past couple of chapters Again, as he himself recognizes, he's winding down this letter to the Christians there. Yeah, you've made mention several times already. I mean, he's really coming down to it. I mean, he has this chapter 14 that we'll study. Chapter 15 next week really kind of brings the body of the letter itself to a close. Chapter 16, which we'll take a look at in a couple of weeks from now, uh, really is just closing remarks. It is, mm-hmm. It's a treasure trove of hellos and uh, how you doings and, you know, think about these people. I mean, it's... He closes a lot of his epistles with usually some very personal things and, and even makes mention of very specific people. But Romans 16, I mean, takes the cake. I mean, yeah. it is chock full of all of those things. So we'll certainly cover that when we get to it here in a couple of weeks. But Romans chapter 14 is kind of on the tail end of this group of three chapters that kind of talks about, you know, their relationships uh, with with each other, their relationships with the world, their relationships with the the government. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about those things in chapters 12 and 13 is really kind of generalized in, uh, you know, in in having them think about their relationships, even with each other as as fellow Christians. And and when we get into chapter 14, it it certainly is still a relationship chapter. And there's no question Mm -hmm. about that. It's still causing them to think about, you know, their relationship with other people. But chapter 14 really carries a much more specific lean to it than what 12 and 13 Mm -hmm. does. He's very specific, uh, really about one very specific thing. And and whether it was an issue they were having there or something that he's kind of cutting off of the past or as he's done, because it has kind of a a Jewish lean to it again in chapter 14 with some of the things that he talks about, whether he's just saying, listen, I know you're thinking about some of these things, Mm -hmm. so let me go ahead and deal with it as he's kind of closing out this relationship kind of section of the book. And you made mention of it there. I think it's important. This chapter has to be kept in the context of where Paul is writing uh, this and who he's writing it to. And I think sometimes there, there's been a lot of debate and challenges that have come up over time from, from Romans chapter 14. But I think when we really focus on keeping it in the context in which it was written, that's going to help us really understand what Paul is getting at here. And, and truth of the matter is, is that he is dealing very specifically, as you said, with some of the challenges between the Jew and the Gentile cultures. And we have to allow Paul and the Holy Spirit 
to say what they intend to say and, and not try and take it too far out of context when we look at this chapter. And I think sometimes that, that can be a, a danger of ours because we look through this and we say, well, could this apply to this situation? Could it apply to this situation? Could it apply to this situation? And not to say that there aren't principles that can be taken from this chapter that can be applied elsewhere. But I do think it's important as we look at this to make sure it's kept in the context and applied in the way that Paul intended for it to be applied. And that is to deal with the specific divisions between the Jews and the Gentiles and how their cultures were affecting their ability to worship together and to grow together. That That's really what this is all about. And I think that's really when you look at, at as you mentioned, the last couple of chapters that lead us here to chapter 14, I think it helps us see that's really what he's been doing is he's dealing with some things that are very specific to their situation. And this is continuing in that same vein. When he talks about food and what they can and cannot eat and the days of the calendar and those types of things, those were were very specific instances where there were differences between the Jewish culture and the Gentile culture. And those they were allowing those differences to affect them spiritually. And Paul is trying to help guide them through that process. And so as we begin our conversation, and I think anybody that's studying this is, is good to do the same thing, just keep all of that in context as we get into it. You know, there are some realities about the New Testament, e- even in itself, as you're studying from it. You made mention, I mean, there, uh, the, the New Testament is is the reality as it was written 2,000 years right. ago. And it was written to people living 2,000 years ago, written by real people through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written to real people that were dealing with those uh, issues and circumstances that are 2,000 years old. Now, uh, there's another reality that you've also made mention that even though it was written 2,000 years ago, there are principles in the New Testament that are applicable today in 2019, and and if the Lord allows, will be applicable another thousand years from now. Mm-hmm. And in another different, in a culture that'll be different even from the culture that we live in, but yet we still have to recognize. You know, some of the things that are being talked about here were very specific about what they were dealing with. And so can we can we go through and as we're studying a chapter like this and still find the principles that I think God wants us to have mm-hmm. and yet be able to, you know, apply those things into our lives to say, here's what God wants me to get out of Romans chapter 14. And, and you're right. I, I think it has been a chapter that for whatever reason, and, and I don't think we necessarily have to get into it here in this in this radio show, but, you know, has been a challenge for some people. But there are really a lot of very basic principles mm-hmm. that are given here that aren't challenging at all. Right. I mean, it, it really comes down to in a lot of ways, I mean, not to give the whole thing away, but it's, it, it's that question, how much do you love your brother? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ultimately you know what it's going to come yeah. down to do you do you love your brother or do you do you not and or do you care more about them or do you care more about yourself i mean those are some of the questions that really come out in Romans chapter 14 that Paul is trying to get those brethren to 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 think about and we've talked a lot about those things already because it's something they've struggled with mm-hmm. in what they have going on and even those questions are really good for us to still consider even even for us today and a lot of times i think when we look at some of the more quote unquote controversial parts of the bible or 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 what have you i think sometimes what you just said is true when you really take a step back from that those those passages or those scriptures are seen as controversial controversial because we have overcomplicated them. Right, that's right. And I think that can be true here as well. Instead of just allowing it to say what it says and to take the basic principles away that we're supposed to, 
I think man has over time overcomplicated this to the point where it becomes controversial in a way that the Holy Spirit never intended for it to be. And so when, when Paul begins here in the very first verse, I think he's, he's speaking to that a little bit where he says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. He, I, I almost get the impression that he's setting them up to say, hey, don't overcomplicate this. Yeah. You know, this is, listen, if there are people who are weak in the faith, but, and, and you're having these arguments over things, let, let's not allow that to, to separate you. Let's not allow that to cause division among you. You need to be cognizant of that. You need to receive that person in love, as you mentioned earlier. So I feel like right off the bat, he's almost cautioning us against the very thing that man has done over time with this particular passage. But I really think that that verse sets up so well the the real meaning behind all of this to us, as you mentioned, and that is we have to have a love and a concern and a compassion for someone who is weaker in the faith. And we need to find ways to be unified in Christ the way that he wants us to be. And if that, and in this particular situation, that's going to mean, hey, you guys are going to have to take a step back and look at what you're saying about what's important to eat and not eat and those types of things. We can take some principles away from that in our lives today and do the same thing. When we see someone who is weak in the faith and, and some of these things that could divide us, to be able to take a step back and look at that and say, listen, is that really something that I should be allowing to divide us? Well, you know, we will have to deal with each of those things individually, but at the end of the day, Christ wants us to be unified in Him. And that's what He wanted from these Christians in Rome. You know, it's a great phrase that you use right there of taking a step back, because, I mean, that's what Romans 14 is. I mean, it is a take a step back, you know, mm-hmm. kind of chapter. You know, it's interesting there in the very first verse when it uses that phrase, you know, receive one who is weak in the faith. I mean, that qualifier in the faith is really important. I think for a lot of reasons, but mainly for the reason that we use today the word weak. I mean, both of us use the New King James Version. That's the word that's used here. But uh, whenever we use the word weak in, in our uh, culture and in our day, almost regardless of what the qualifier is, we're immediately thinking less than. I mean, yeah. we immediately yeah. think, I'm way up here and you are way down here mm-hmm. because I am strong and you are weak. I mean, we, on, we, we constantly and continually kind of have that thought process. But that's not what's being talked about here. I mean, the point isn't here. Hey, here is someone who was less than mm-hmm. in, in any way with regards to the Christianity. I mean, we've spent, I mean, how many chapters, you yeah. know, throughout this, even this book of the book of Romans? There, there's no less thans. Everybody is the exact same. They're in the exact same position. Christ did the exact same thing for everyone. And if, and if you have um, ex- accepted that, that and you've taken advantage of that sacrifice and you've had your sins washed away through baptism, all things that we've talked about through Romans, you are in the same place. Mm-hmm. And that's not what he's talking about here, but it is someone who is weak in the faith, yeah. someone who is newer, someone who, who, who's, who sees it maybe in a little bit different way because of what their knowledge base may be. But the point is, it's still to receive them, not to argue with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you see right there at the very mm-hmm. end of that, you know, not to dispute over doubtful things. Don't argue with them, to receive them. And, and the reason we do that, as we dive into a little bit further there in verse 3, the reason that we receive them is because God's received them. And so Paul makes that point that you've got to receive them because this is what God has done at the end of verse 3. God has received them. Don't despise them because God has received them. And that is a, listen, you take a step back and you see that, and that has an impact on the way that I 
you know, interact with them. Yeah, sure. I think we can we can absolutely find ourselves setting unrealistic expectations for people who may be young in their faith. And, and listen, it's not that it's not that we should ignore things that perhaps they're struggling with. But I, but I think your point is a good one. We should receive them in such a way to help them grow, right. help them mature, help them develop, as opposed to looking at someone who may be young in their faith and saying, well, you just haven't gotten it yet, and we cross them off our, off our list and we move on to somebody else. That, that's doing the exact opposite of what Paul is wanting the Christians here to do. But I think that might be what is happening here. I think some of these, whether it's Jews or Gentiles, either one of them could be guilty of this could be looking at the other side saying, you guys just haven't gotten it yet. You guys just have not gotten this yet. And they begin to, to move on and they begin to, to divide on, on, on those grounds as opposed to looking at each other thinking, what can I do as their brother or sister to help them? And the other side looking at them saying, what can I do as their brother or sister to help them? And, and they do so in love and they work together as a family unit the, the way that God intended for us to do. That's how we're going to grow. And that's how someone who is weak in the faith or young in their faith or new to their faith, that's how that person is going to learn. That's how they're going to develop. That's how they're going to grow. And ultimately, the entire body will be stronger because of it. But oftentimes, the, the exact opposite happens where we just we find someone who's, who's struggling for some reason or they're young in their faith, and we just say, man, I don't have time to deal with this, or they're just not going to get it, and they're not worth my time. And that's how division arises. Yeah, and, and the way that you go about making sure that doesn't happen is your focus is continually on God. I mean, yeah. that is that is your focus. And even the point that he makes right here, I mean, you see even from verses, you know, six, seven, eight, and nine, you know, how many times the word Lord is found. Mm-hmm. It is it is a sole focus upon God. It is to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. Verse eight, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. And, and you have this incredible focus focus on God, what God has done, even when we get into the rest of this chapter, it, it still it, it lays with it a focus on God. And the issue becomes when, when I start taking the place of God, mm. when, when I start you know, saying, listen, I'm now dictating what you can and cannot be doing. I'm now dictating what you can and cannot be thinking about. I'm now dictating those things. And it's hard. There's a temptation to do that, especially with those who are weaker in the faith. Mm -hmm. It's a temptation to do that, to take that stand and to say, hey, listen, I know so much more than you. I've been a Christian much longer than you. I'm much smarter than you. God loves me more. I mean, you could see where that train heads. Mm -hmm. And suddenly now I'm dictating the way that you live. No, no, no. God dictates. He is the one who dictates and we've got to keep that in our mind and I think that's why he he reminds us here at verse 3 that it's God God receives them and so let, let's treat them as God would, would treat them. And he's loved them and he cares for them and he's patient with them, all the things that you've made mention. And so we need to do that because God has done that. And the, the Jews really in a lot of ways have been guilty of doing exactly sure. what you just said. We, we've talked about already, Paul's addressed circumcision already in this letter. And now obviously if you go back into the Jewish culture, go back into the old law, there were very specific guidelines given to them about what they could and could not eat. There were very specific days that they were to observe and feasts that they were to observe. And in the Jews' mindset, that has been a part of their heritage going back generations and generations and generations as God's people. And so you can only imagine as we get into the New Testament times under Christ, 
they're still struggling with that. They, they, these days aren't just, this isn't just a holiday to them that they get off of work. I mean, th- these days are of crucial importance to them, and as they have seen it, their relationship to God. And the same is true with their dietary restrictions, and the same is true with circumcision. And so to, to be able to, to look at all of that and see it for what God intended for it to be, But now look at the new law under Christ and how the Gentiles have been grafted into the family of God now. Those things have changed. And I can only imagine how hard of a change that would be for these people to recognize that these brothers and sisters now in Christ are choosing not to observe the days that my family has observed for thousands and thousands of years. And they choose not to t- partake in circumcision that has been a symbol of being one of Christ's people for thousands and thousands of years. All of these things that they're not doing that I see is so important. And so so being able to look at that and recognize that, that under Christ, the days aren't important the, the, the dietary restrictions, they served their purpose. Right. Circumcision served its purpose. But, but now under Christ, you have to be able to look at the brother or sister across the table from you and recognize that those things aren't what make you brother and sister. Those things aren't what make you heirs with Christ. It's now Christ and his sacrifice. And so I can only imagine how difficult that must have been for them. And I, I can't really even find a way to, to really apple the apple compare that to something in my life today. But the challenge of being able to to live in unity with brothers and sisters has always existed. And that challenge does still exist today. Yeah, I mean, even for them, I mean, there's challenge, there were challenges on both sides. I mean, you have these hugely uh, diabolically opposed cultures mm-hmm. almost clashing here with the Jewish culture and the Gentile culture. And you had all of these things that you made mention of, the, the feasts that they had and the specific days that they had and circumcision. All of those things are so important to the Jew and even to the Jewish Christians. And you may have these Gentile Christians who sit across the table and say, I mean, what's the big deal about circumcision? Or what's the big deal about the so-and-so feast or this specific feast? And what's the big deal? But, I mean, there's challenges on the other side. I mean, yeah. you have the Gentile Christians who, who may come out of, uh, you know, a, a deity worship, and it's a it's a god worship where they they their culture was about you know the sacrifices that were made to you know whatever idol and whatever god or deity that they may be serving. The certainly the the sexual things that went you know with all of that. And now you have, you may have the Jews across the table of saying, "Listen, I mean, this meat that was sacrificed to Artemis or whatever. I mean, what's the big deal about that? Well, it, it's a big deal for these Gentile Christians." And so you had all of that clashing together right here in the city of Rome, especially in other yeah. places as well, but really heavy here. And it's Paul saying, listen, let's take a step back. Let's, as you made mention, let's take a step back and let's realize what Christ has done. Let's focus in on him. Let's focus in on where we are, what we have in common, and what we have in common is God. And that is ultimately in Christ and where our focus needs to stay and needs to remain. I think he summarizes that in verse 17 really well, where he says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I think he's he's there reminding them of, of what you just said. Like, guys, this isn't what it's about. Right. You know, you, you got you got to be able to let this go. Both sides, you got to be able to let this go because the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. 
That's not what this is about at all. What's really important is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, serving Christ, as he says in the next verse there. Those are the things that are really important. Now, that, that part of it, I, I struggle sometimes with, with portions of this to make apple-to-apple comparisons. This one, not so much, because here I can see that in, just in my own lifetime where, where those types of divisions have come in and people have lost focus on what really is important when it comes to the kingdom of God. Listen, when at the end of the day, it is about righteousness. It's about peace. It's about finding joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about serving Christ. Those are the things that are important. And those are the things that should unify us. Right. We shouldn't have any disagreement about those things. Now, we, we can have conversations about the color of the carpet and those types of things. But when it comes to righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, and serving Christ, we shouldn't have any disagreement about that. We should all be on the same page when it comes to that one. Jews, Gentiles, uh, 21st century Americans, it doesn't matter. We should all be on the same page when it comes to that. And it, it does me good sometimes to just look at that and remind myself that this is really what I need to be focused on. This is what's really important if I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and what we have temptation to do is focus on other things. I mean, and a lot of times, and what's, you know, what comes to the forefront here in Romans 14 is we begin to focus on my own self. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what I have the right to do, what I have the liberty to do, what, I, what, I, what it's okay for me to do. We focus so heavily on that, we lose sight of Christ, or we certainly will lose sight of, of other people. And, and Paul is reminding them, even in those circumstances where you may have the right to do something, Mm -hmm. or you may have the freedom or liberty to do something, that that doesn't excuse you from, number one, always thinking about Christ, And number two, always thinking about other people. And we've got, to, we've got to consider that. Even through verses 10 through 13, where you have this idea about, you know, not judging, that God is the judge. It, you know, the picture that I paint in my mind is, you know, one of these Gentile brothers or sisters, and, and they're really struggling with eating meat that's sacrificed to an idol. And, you know, a Jew looking at him and saying, I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I mean, what, you know, that idol is no more alive than, you know, this stone here on the road. I mean, that is the dumbest thing, and you need to get over that. Well, to that Gentile Christian, it's not the dumbest thing ever. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that's difficult. It's a challenge for them. And for that Jew to, you know, sit across from the table and say, man, that's the stupidest thing. You got to get over that. That's the judging that's being talked about right here. You're not in a position to do that. You've lost sight of God. He's the one who judges, and you've certainly lost sight of that fellow Christian in their mindset and what they're thinking about over something that doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's to the point that you just made in verse 17, over something that doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is the kingdom of Christ. What makes a difference is his righteousness, not food and drink. That doesn't make a difference. But let's think about and focus in on things that make a difference, not on those things that don't make a difference. And we spend way too much time in conversation over things that just simply don't make a difference. Yeah, and I think the question that then comes up is, well, what what is it that makes a difference right. and what is it that doesn't? And that that is a really important question. Sure it is, yeah. It's a really important question. And I think the New Testament answers those questions for us. And I think that's that's even perhaps the point that Paul is making here is, Hey, you guys, you guys are Christians. You have heard the gospel of Christ. The, the mystery has been revealed to you. You should know what matters and what doesn't. Right. That, that is something you should know. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult. That doesn't mean that it's not, there aren't going to be challenges to overcome. 
But the teaching of Christ and the teaching of the apostles has been done so that you know what's important and what isn't. You should be able to distinguish between that. And if you need some help, here you go. I'm going to help you with some of that, right? Yeah. Circumcision? No. Food, drink, no. The days of the calendar, no. You know, Paul kind of helps them along the way, and I right. think in doing so, he does some of the same things for us. Obviously, we don't necessarily have the same cultural structure that they did, but I think the same can be true for us today. When we look at how he dealt with some of those things, we should be able to take that principle right. and apply it to, to, the, to our lives today, where we look at the teachings of Christ, we look at the teachings of the apostles, and in doing so, we should be able to determine what's important and what isn't. Where do we need to take a stand on things, and where do we need to say, that, that's not worth getting an argument about, that's not worth bringing division over. So those are, that's an important question to ask. It's not an easy answer, but I think it is important to acknowledge the fact that the answer is here for us. We are able to look into the pages of the New Testament to determine what's important and what isn't. Yeah, a lot of times we, we think about even spiritual things, and certainly even in our culture. Our, uh, the mindset of our culture is spiritual things equal arguments. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why they said it's, it's one of the things you can't talk about, about at work. I mean, politics and religion, because those things equate to arguments, and you don't want arguments in the workplace. Well, I mean, that kind of is a cliche and kind of a joke that's thrown out there, but not so jokey. I yeah. mean, jokey, I was going to say. I don't know if that's even a word. But, I mean, it, it, it's not, because we think about those things, and we immediately were thinking about those that kind of arguments. That happened then, and it certainly happens now. And so that's why you have, you know, verse 19. It's the, I mean, I have it highlighted here in my Bible. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Mm -hmm. That ultimately is the key. The key is not to cause problems, not to cause division, not to do damage. I, I have here, you know, notes next to me. I mean, words like stumbling block is used in verses 13 and 21. Words like destroy mm-hmm. is used in, in verses 15 and 20. Condemn is used in verse 23. I mean, these are damaging things that we can cause to one another. And, and Paul is reminding us, we, we need to steer clear of those kinds of things, especially in these areas that don't make a difference. I mean, how silly then is, is it when I condemn or I destroy or I'm a stumbling block to a fellow Christian over something that didn't make a difference, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter in any way? I don't want to be any part of that. And so we're being reminded of where you were at the very beginning. I mean, full circle, take that step back. Mm-hmm. Let's consider, listen, is this, is this really something we're going to take a stand on or is this something that I can take a step back on and, uh, and maybe have a conversation about or whatever the case may be, but I'm not going to be the one who throws these judgments out just willy-nilly. And we're going to have to, we're going to really have to make an effort to keep our pride in check in all of this as well, because I think when we get into some of these challenging areas, one of the reasons why we just can't let things go is because of pride. We, we don't want to be wrong or we want other people to see things the way that we see things or we just have to, we have to get our point across. And, and that, that's all a sign of pride creeping in and we have to be careful about that. We need to make sure that we humble ourselves, put ourselves in the proper position as it relates to Christ and make sure that we're doing everything we can to live in peace with one another. We're doing everything we can to show love to each other. And that's going to require me to swallow my pride from time to time 
and, and, and say, you know what, it may, have been, it may be important to me, but I'm not going to cause trouble over this because it's not crucial to us being unified under Christ. That, that takes uh, a heavy dose of humility sometimes to be able to do that, and that's not an easy thing to do. No, and I think that's how he closes this chapter. I mean, he, he kind of closes it with that idea, kind of where he begins, you know, receive the one who is weak in the faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you can sit back and say, listen, this Gentile brother has an issue with eating meat sacrificed to a, an idol. Well, I don't because I understand better than he does. Mm-hmm. So I'm going yeah. to tell him all about that because my faith is so big and his faith is so little. And I think that's why we're reminded the very end of this chapter in verse 2022, where he says, do you you have faith, have it to yourself before God. I, I don't have to show you how yeah. big my faith is. I can, I can have that and God's able to see it. Mm-hmm. And so to your point about humility, I think is sitting here at the very end of this uh, really important chapter. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Uh, that 30 minutes flew by rather quickly, but there's a lot to dive into here in Romans chapter 14. So hopefully it's a, a chapter that will uh, continue to challenge you as you study through it in the future. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or, or comments for us about anything that we've said, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Uh, You can comment on our Facebook page or send us a private message if you would prefer to do that. But certainly, if you have anything that you would like to say in regards to what we talked about this morning, please do so. We also want to invite you and encourage you to come and worship with us if you have an opportunity to do that. Uh, We meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m. We meet again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, so please come and join us. If you can, and if you're not able to do that, we do live stream our services, so you can certainly follow along with us there at our website, traderspointchurch.org. We try and link that to our Facebook page as well, so please follow along there if you have an opportunity to do so. So thank you for taking some time out of your day to study along with us, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.